Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. But, yeah, a couple things going on for the podcast today. I just uh, put up a photo of the Wallawa, well, the Wallawa, uh, the Wallawa Mountains up in the Eagle Calf Wilderness. You guys have seen a ton of those photos from me so far. I like that place a lot. Uh, this was another photo from the backpacking trip that we did there back in mid-September. And a uh, real cool trip. Talked about it a couple times on the podcast. But this photo was, um, it was over by where the, the cabins were set up. There's this whole, uh, this whole side of the, the Arnoid Lake area that uh, it kind of coves around. And it's sort of above the waterline of the lake. And over in that area, probably 100 years ago, before there was like a wilderness area. Um, or before there, well, yeah, I guess before it was like a nationally designated wilderness area. Uh, before you could build structures there, they, they put up a couple like half a dozen of these log cabins that were just way back in there. And uh, I'm not sure really what they did with them all together, but it seems like a cool little destination spot. Um, so we kind of walked over there, and, and this photo where it was taken was right over there in uh, in that area. But it was cool spots to to walk around through. There are lots of trails that kind of cut through the side of the lake and then up to the backside and stuff that, uh, that we tried to check out for a little while. But it was fun hiking around there, taking photos and stuff. It was cool that, that first morning that we got up because I think the other – there was just one other set of hikers, at least that we saw, that were camped out there, and I think they had hit, taken off by the time that uh, that we were like walking around and checking stuff out. It was cool. We came up on like these boats, these like aluminum, these just aluminum boats that were that were hauled up there next to the lake and put up next to a dock, and they're chained in, but they're not locked in. We were really tempted, since we were the only people up there, to snatch one of these boats early in the morning, paddle out to the center of the lake hang out, check it out, and then paddle back. I always thought it'd be pretty fun. You know, it was kind of funny, actually, on the way back, when we were hiking back, we saw another group hiking up, and on their back they had they had a paddle, at least like a kayak paddle, and it looked like they had like a, an inflatable kayak or some kind of kayak uh, like set up and wrapped up in their bag. But I thought that was kind of an interesting idea of taking, a, taking an inflatable kayak that was light enough to backpack and then carrying that up to... Uh, to some mountain mountain lake to go do some remote backpacking. It'd be kind of a cool way to get around if you uh, if you packed it up in there. I could see it working really well if, if there was like a way you could use it sort of continuously. You know, like if you could hike in a ways and then hit it hit a body of water and then paddle across it and save a lot of time and then pack up and then keep hiking and then keep paddling, you know, sort of a thing like that. Or, you know, hike in and then and then take a river down a couple days. That'd be really cool, but Man, I don't know if I'd really want to hike up a mountain with a with a kayak on my back. That'd probably be a bummer. You can see more of my work at BillyNewmanPhoto.com. You can check out some of my photo books on Amazon. I think you can look up uh, Billy Newman under the authors section there and see uh, some of the photo books on film, on the desert, on surrealism, on camping. Some cool stuff over there. I think uh, I've just been going through editing a handful of photographs, and I wanted to talk about a few of the ideas that I had around that. Uh, it was cool. I was going through uh, through an archive on a hard drive that I have for a bunch of the images from a lot of the camping that we did during September while we were out this uh, this past year. And it was cool working with uh, with the newer Sony cameras, like uh, like I talked about a handful of times in this podcast so far, and uh, and working 
by like traveling around and camping and stuff, working in the truck and, and all that stuff was really cool. But uh, with a lot of those photos, uh, a handful of, or, you know, in a lot of ways, they really haven't been processed to a, to a final outcome yet. So one thing that I was working on was uh, trying to go through some of the photographs from Imnaha, Oregon. And Imnaha, Oregon, I'd talked about on here a bit, was uh, that area that's east of of Joseph and Enterprise, Oregon, as you get up toward Hell's Canyon or... Um, yeah, I guess up there, like right on the Snake River and the Idaho border, and it's a cool spot. It's a a really interesting little town, and the, the geography out there uh, really changes uh, quite quite dramatically. Like right there, out next to the uh, Snake River, and and out next to all those hills and mountains that are over in that area. But uh, it looks like it used to be way more full of water out there. Just the amount of erosion that you can you can see that seemed like it ran through there to create those giant gorges that we see now. That's that's a lot of of earth movement that had happened out there. So uh, it's a really cool area out there. But uh, once you get out to Imnaha, there's no services, there's no gas, there's no store really. Uh, I think there might be some something if you if you could call ahead or knew what to call in, ahead for. But uh, there's a road that cuts out of Imnaha um, up the Imnaha River Canyon where the Imnaha River flows through, and then there's a road that cuts up uh, and it, it would go out toward Hell's Canyon or toward a viewpoint at least of uh, at the top of Hell's Canyon as you look down into the Snake River and the Oregon-Idaho Divide. Really cool area up there and definitely worth a drive if you can get out there. But uh, at a certain point, there's a viewpoint that uh, you're able to, to kind of walk out to that shows all of uh, the the Imnaha Canyon in a, in a really interesting way. Just the angle of it, I think uh, it, everything starts to line up really nicely in that way. And that's something I, I try and kind of look for as when I'm trying to put together some photographs. Um, so that area was uh, was really cool. You know, it's designed to look really beautiful. But uh, I try to get uh, real low and, and bring in some of the uh, some of the, the context and texture of the grass uh, in this uh, this dry grassy field that uh, that kind of stretched off on a steep slope down the hillside as it went down to the bottom of the ravine or at the bottom of the canyon you know of the the Imnaha River Canyon that's out there but the contours of the land in the distance it kind of all flowed into the same vanishing point as uh, as the Imnaha River you know sort of worked its way up back toward the horizon but a uh, really beautiful area up there and it was cool uh, just sort of focusing the camera and trying to, to trying to frame that up to sort of capture that immenseness of edge to edge what it what it was really like to sort of feel the that the weird, the, just the amount of angle there is to that, and so uh, one thing that I was working on with this photograph was, uh, and a handful of the others from uh, from the Imna River Canyon was um, trying to trying to work on some some more advanced black and white conversions of these photographs. And I know there's uh, there's different um, different like high contrast filters and stuff for for good black and white images, and in a lot of ways that could really help a, a, a ton of images, especially if they're shot right. Uh, or you know cleanly with uh, good light uh, you know if the files are clean there's a huge amount you can do with uh, with things like that but uh, gosh yeah just trying to like go through and add black and white conversions that are a little bit more specific a little bit more adjusted to some of these photographs uh, especially ones that have like a structural context to them or, or a, a compositional element that's uh, really just defining the landscape by the structure of the land or by the uh, the angle of the land um, I kind of like uh, trying to mess with that a little bit, so it was uh, it was cool working on it, and I like the the way that it turned out. It uh, it kind of pulled some of the yellow color out of it, which uh, is really just almost sometimes distracting, uh, and then that strips it down to the the kind of sharp angles that come in from the top of the 
uh, top of the frame to the bottom of the frame. Uh, these uh, these other sharp diagonals that uh, that are kind of matched up in parallel with it too. So I kind of like that part of the composition elements that come about with when you you start working on stuff when you when you kind of work uh, or just when you kind of start getting a little bit more trained and stuff and when you're able to sort of make things a little bit more easily that, that starts to come around a bit better. But uh, but yeah, it was cool working tonight on a handful of photographs from uh, from the Imnaha River Canyon and trying to make some black and white conversions of them. You can check out more information at billynewmanphoto.com. You can go to billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support if you want to help me out and participate in the value for value model that uh, we're running this podcast with. If uh, you receive some value out of some of the stuff that I was talking about, you're welcome to uh, help me out and send some value my way through the portal at billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support. You can also find more information there about uh, Patreon and the way that I use it if you're interested or, or feel more comfortable using Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Billy Newman photo. But uh, the holidays was kind of an interesting time because I ended up sort of thinking a lot about what, but, well, what photographs are, you know, uh, I'm, I'm getting a little bit older now. And uh, I think there's, there's sort of like a change in the vision that I have of the way that I kind of think about photographs or, or, you know, what, what is their purpose? Why are we making them? And in a big way, like um, uh, maybe propagated uh, by the, the Instagram culture or the, the sharing content creation culture that sort of seems to be out right now, especially for those, uh, the, you know, photographers or artists, I think they feel the pressure to be content producers now. And that maybe is a little bit of a different job than the photographer or the real artist, that kind of a, that kind of a person. And so I've been trying to sort of think about that a little bit and, uh, and sort of take a look at, at the trends of Instagram and are those my art? Is that what I need to pursue? And a lot of the time I, I sort of notice this and even in my own images, this like super sharp, super crisp, everything has to be really perfect or really edited or, or really meaningful and dramatic in these images. And what I'm noticing a little bit, uh, especially as I review my older images is that the, the photographs that I'm really drawn to, they're the photographs that represent the truth more. They're the photographs that kind of have, um, I don't know what it is really, but they have uh, a little bit more of an essence of r reality. Or maybe it's uh, it's reality, but it's also a little bit of grit to it too. Like this really happened. It was it was magical. It was interesting. I really like that surrealism in the photographs that I take. And I have for a long time, but, but there's a little bit more. And I've always, I think in a lot of stuff I've done, kind of pushed for the unreal. And uh, some of the stuff that I'm kind of noticing the last couple of years, as I looked at like the photographs and how they changed, is sort of how that shifted from the unreal of landscapes or of the world, you know, kind of trying to select things about landscapes, you know, when they have unusual colors to them or, or unusual dynamics or phenomena like, like clouds or weather or water or something like that that makes it uh, sort of feel like a different look or a different image um, than like what we'd see midday at noon if we looked at the same thing. Um, so I think that's definitely still part of photography. But one thing I was noticing through the holidays and, and through reviewing a bunch of my old photographs was how much the the stock value of, of a photograph goes up over time. Over one year, it's a bit. Over a few years, it's a bit more. But over a decade, you really get 
you really get to see the change that happens in time. You know, I get to see uh, like relatives that were much younger in these photographs they took 15 years ago than they are now. And it seems like a, kind of a, an obvious point or, or it seems like something everyone should know. But really, there's a huge amount of value in the photographs because they capture something at the time that it was. And you, you get to hold on to that after the after their people or the moment or the event or the experience changes. I'm starting to notice as I'm getting older is that life does sort of change. It changes. And it's an obvious uh, kind of point of fact that everybody's sort of known about for a long time. But in my naive sense, I've been so focused on photography or on image creation or on the product, making something that's kind of crisp and sharp and uh, perfectly usable today. I, I don't know if I was thinking so clearly about how the nostalgia factor or how the the value of something, you know, from a family or, or just sort of a small moment that's captured that's, that's more real, uh, how that escalates in value over time and uh, like coming at these photos 15 years later or even like seven years later from some of the stuff that I had it's really interesting to see like wow like I took a ton of photos of this type of topic but I didn't I didn't take as many photographs that sort of represented my artistic experience of my life or that humanity I really want to try and show more of that in the photographs the the humanity that kind of the, the way you feel about a photograph and I think that's so much about what a photographer is there to do is sort of uh, be be able to kind of pick and select which moments to capture and, and, and which ways you're going to be able to share that stuff in the future that's going to become more nostalgic, more meaningful, uh, or just, just a way of kind of knowing, oh, this was part of my life. Wow, that's really cool. Um, so I've been trying to think about some of those ideas around photography for the new year a little bit. But along with that, I've been going through the last like 15 years of photos in, the, in my big uh, super catalog that that collection of um, of Lightroom photos I made that's that's kind of trying to pull in every phone photo, every phone video, every every different camera I've had since 2002. I'm trying to get all those photos together, put them in there. I think it was like 120,000 images, something like that. Which really isn't that many photos for for someone that's been doing stuff for a long time. Um, but I went through those and I, and I tried to like punch those down to a lot of the selects, so a lot of the images that I, I kind of want to keep from. And I was trying to pull out a lot of uh, good photos, but, but photos that were kind of irrelevant to me for, for this sort of future moving forward catalog of stuff. I want to get rid of like product photos or work photos that are hundreds and thousands of photos even the kind of fill up space and memory in the catalog. I'll keep those definitely, but those will be backed up on another hard drive. But what's active to me, what's in my library currently, I want to be like the last, I think I've talked about this before, but like the last two years or so of photos in, in whole, in total, so I can get back to that library and edit any one of those raw files I have. But for stuff that's older than two years, like 2015 and before, I kind of want to pare those down a little bit so that I'm a little bit more specific uh, and and able to, to just get to those photos that were selects uh, a little bit faster. And then especially for older stuff, like pre, pre 2010 or so, I want to, I want to really have those pared down to like the, the hundred photos I actually, you know, I need to have around to, to get to for, for whatever kind of stuff I need to do. But uh, it was really cool though going through the old photos and you just kind of do it in this pretty quick way of, you know, like this is a one star, this is a two star kind of a thing. So you kind of punch through those pretty fast. And then, uh, and then I have another round to do, or I'm going to, I'm going to try and punch it, you know, from one star to two star, those are going to be what I keep for a while. And then from that, I'm going to try and render that down, uh, to select all the, all the three star photos, all the, that's kind of like, uh, I would pick this photo and sort of put it under review. And then, and then my system at least is a little bit of the four star, five star zone. That's for, uh, this is going to be published or this is going into the portfolio or as content sort of thing. 
Um, so yeah, I'm going to try and uh, push on that stuff a bit more and get some photographs sorted for the year. But it was really cool going through all of those old trips that we've done, um, all those different places that we've gone to. And uh, of course, I've seen... Well, one thing I've noticed is, good Lord, how bad at Photoshop I was. And I want to I want to say that I'm going to put a little blame, because I remember this happened at the time, but I want to put a little blame on how god-awful my laptop monitor was. Um, like a 2006, 2007, 2008 laptop monitor just had no color gamut against what we know now in, uh, in like modern OL or LED retina display monitors like Apple puts out uh, or like any kind of uh, modern LED more color accurate monitor that we have now. But I was looking at it and there's like the, the, it's just so muddy. There's, there's so few colors that it can really represent. So you have to push things a little further out of gamut or at least I did at the time kind of uh, not understanding what I was compensating to. So I look back at some of these photos and go, oh, I would never make it this yellow and green in a modern world. So it was kind of interesting what, you know, whatever was going on or whatever I was thinking about at the time visually that, that sort of drew me to that place. But it's interesting to see like how that changes, how your aesthetics sort of change and, and also a little bit of how your tools and calibration systems change and, and sort of seeing like, wow, how off was that way back? Um, so all stuff that you kind of learn and, and you get better at. And it's interesting, at least to the benefit, you get better over time. And uh, like a decade later, I see changes in the uh, the kind of creative or the the style that I would lay out just if I started working, you know, out without actually having to try and uh, implement a style, you know, try and lay when, oh, I'm going to make a photograph that's black and white and of events and personal or something, uh, instead of trying to go out with, the, with you know, a set intention of that, which you should or, or could in any set of photos. But if I just go out and am shooting what I am drawn to, the photographs that I capture and get, and the way that I kind of perceive what they look like and how I, sh- I want to show them to people, that's all kind of changed and evolved over time. And uh, it seems like my choices in that are better than they once were. Um, but it was interesting too, just kind of seeing like, man, how many years and years and years did it take me taking photographs before any of these photographs really got good or, or got to the point where they were more than snapshots or more than just kind of a data collection. And I sort of thought of myself as an archivist for a long time where, um, where like the job wasn't really to be a photographer where it was editing to select like a moment and character and and sort of like nuance between uh things that had like emotional pull to them i didn't really understand that type of composition stuff i just sort of understood the camera mechanically functioning as a light capturing tool and so that was like that was probably like the first four years of photography was you know sort of thinking about it like that like uh, i'm capturing data of a reality and then that's going to be processed in Uh, to something else later and it wasn't really for years until I understood like emotional vision or you know like uh, having uh, some way to kind of tie the way you feel to the way that you see something and uh, that was really interesting kind of learning about how how some of those things work and yeah it's still such a long road and I still have you know no no real understand or no real experience in that by uh, by anybody that's really trained just self-taught little old Billy out here in nowhere Willamette Valley so uh yeah, that's uh, some of the stuff about uh, making selects. Thanks a lot for checking out this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. I hope you guys check out some stuff on BillyNewmanPhoto.com. A few new things up there, some stuff on the homepage, some good links to other other outbound sources, some, some links to books, some links to some podcasts, links to some blog posts. All pretty cool. Yeah, check it out at BillyNewmanAphoto.com. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the podcast. Talk to you next time.